This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. One-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealoux, Mike Jurecki, and 13-year NFL veteran Drew Stanton. And this week, we must add former second-round pick. Drew Stanton, the 43rd overall selection in 2007. Yes, I said the year, Drew. Does it feel that long ago? I mean, does this week conjure up any more emotions than any other week, considering the draft then versus now? I'm guessing is much different, much more publicized, much more out in the open, not just the entire week, but basically all year long. Yeah, I mean, it's it's grown just as the NFL has hoped for, right? I mean, it has become a a main event every single month kind of like the NFL wanted right leading up from the combine to the draft to all of these things of mini camps and then you come back they try to make it a year-round business because the NFL network because all these things and so the hype that's built around the draft has grown and grown and grown and now you know it becomes a prime time event it becomes all these things when I got drafted in 2007 as you mentioned (laughs) uh, it doesn't feel like that long ago because the anticipation was there I knew that I was going to be taking 24 they said to 40 was kind of where I was at. Now, I went a little bit after that, as you said, but I didn't even watch the first portion of the draft because I was like, ah, none of these teams are going to draft me. I went. I was down in Miami. I went and swam in the ocean. I was like, I, I just need to go away. You know, a lot of people are there. And you see the draft stories, right? Like I was not far removed from Aaron Rodgers' draft class where he's in the green room, and it's like boom, boom, boom. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I, I'm going to go somewhere where I need to go. Um, and it was, you know, fortunate good, bad, right, wrong, or indifferent, was drafted by the Detroit Lions, got a chance to go home, and it made some of the transitions super easy for me, and other portions of it were extremely difficult. But uh, being able to, to go through that process, uh, it opens your eyes quickly because of the business that is the NFL. Well, we know the NFL, for the longest time, always had the draft in New York, and now you can bid it out, and it's going to be in Las Vegas this weekend, and you know, so it's it's interesting where there's a market for it, and it's not just one day. You're talking going in there Wednesday and possibly staying there till Saturday or Sunday. So they know exactly what they're doing. Cardinals, remember, have eight picks, one in each of the first three rounds, two in the sixth, and three in the seventh. We'll see what happens in rounds four and five. More on the drafts, but there is some other news that we need to get into that actually occurred during general manager Steve Kime and head coach Cliff Kingsbury pre-draft press conference all this noise all offseason long concerning quarterback Kyler Murray what's going to happen with the franchise quarterback well we know that he is not going anywhere that was made very very clear when azcentral.com Kent Summers asked Kime on the potential of trading K1 there's been a lot of speculation out there the possibility of you guys trading Kyler could you can you rule that out zero chance And with those two words, MJ, I think we're done. 
until we get the announcement that something has officially come to an agreement or signed between team and quarterback with regard to a long-term extension. Yeah, and I think it was important. Uh, you didn't know if that was going to be the first question, second or third, but it, it was going to be asked at some point and give Ken Summers credit there. Um, I thought it needed to be said, kind of quiet the noise down. Now they can focus on the draft. And, you know, after that comment was made, Kyler Murray was active on social media. He was. I don't know. And back in 2007, Drew, did you was social media a, a, a thing? It had Facebook, MySpace, right? You're yeah, probably I was a MySpace say MySpace, guy. MySpace. I remember. Yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> all that stuff was just coming out. Whichever, what was Shaq on? Shaq was on one of them, and that's when I was training on in Florida. And he was like, "Hey, I'm hanging out at Lucky Strike Bowling," and I just happened to be there. And somebody's like, "He's actually there, right?" Like come to find out he was like one of the founders of it so well when, good, well played by him when Shaquille O'Neal was with the Phoenix Suns all of a sudden he's tweeting about breaking news about his availability for certain <laughs> games and we're like what is Smart. this what is this Twitter thing so that's how I found out about Twitter and speaking of which Kyler Murray on that day April 21st not too long after general manager Steve Kime said zero chance Kyler on Twitter, quote, I want to win Super Bowls with the Cardinals. AZ is home. If you have a franchise quarterback, Drew, you have a chance. If you don't, you don't have a chance on Sundays. And it's very easy to say, oh, look somewhere else, but who are you going to look for? And I think the Cardinals, you invest a number one overall pick in your franchise quarterback, you'd like to see him around more than just the four or five years. You've got him under control. Exactly. Uh, when you invest in that uh, that guy, you have to go all in, right? You are, you are completely married to him and the organization needs to be doing everything in their power to make sure he's putting his best foot forward each and every year and, and the arrow is pointing up. And, and the beauty of the new rookie wage scale is sometimes you can pull the plug if it's not the case. Now, they're in an interesting situation because all the the signs are pointing that way. Yes, he took things off of social media. You know, it's a, it's like a personal press conference anytime he posts anything, anyways, because everybody's fawning over it. But at the same time, Steve Kaiman has to realize, okay, how can we maximize what this kid brings to the table? Because he's electrifying. He can do all these things. He can single handedly go out and win a football game for you. It's just, can he do it? in prime time when the lights are on and when it's the playoffs, when you need to play your best because everybody's looking to get to the playoffs. It's what you do when you get in there that matters most. And Matthew Stafford proved that. You know, he put all that to bed of like, well, he's 0-3 in the playoffs. Look at his three playoff games, right? Much like Kyler, going on the road, you know, having to play it's a very difficult environment. It's a different game speed, and you have to be ready to go. But it's a challenge that he's accepted, he's looking forward to, and there's no question, as there might have been early on in his career, who the leader of this team is. He has to step up. Your best players have to be your best leaders in order for you to go win a Super Bowl. Wasn't just the general manager, but owner Michael Bidwell speaking with Kent Summers. Quote, yeah, that's not happened with respects to Kyler being traded. Added, there's just too much outside outside noise that people listen to. We understand that's just part of what goes on these days with social media. It's just not the case. Again, Kyler Murray is not going anywhere. He is too talented. He has made this football team much better. He's also made, according to Kime, Kime a much better general manager. I was a decent GM when Carson Palmer was our quarterback. When he retired, I wasn't very good. I'm, I am smart enough to know that Kylo Murray makes me a better GM. So, he, he, you know, again, we took him with the first overall pick. We love him. The guys continue to improve. He's made us a better football team. So we're really excited about his future. It's funny how that happens. You're a better 
team, organization, general manager, head coach, when you have, well, better players on the football field. Yeah, and, and I think that Carson Palmer trade will go down as one of the best in Cardinal history. There have been others, obviously, Chandler Jones uh, pulling off the trade for DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I, I just like the fact that, you know, it seems like everyone's getting on the same page, and now we can just focus on football when they get to the OTAs and mandatory minicamp. There is that one thing, that contract, and how quickly, sooner rather than later. We know Kyler wanted it real soon, as in almost immediately at the end of the regular season or postseason. However, as Kyle pointed out late last week, there is a timeline for these rookie contracts to get done. The way we've approached it is we have free agency, we have the draft, and then you know we'll take a deep breath and sort of refocus. And that's the same reason that every other player that's been a third-year quarterback has been done in the middle of the summer to late summer. And it's just sort of the way that, that the system works. And but, but nothing has changed in terms of him being our long-term and short-term quarterback. Josh Allen, August. Patrick Mahomes, July. Deshaun Watson, September. Jared Goff, September. Carson Wentz, June. Ryan Tannehill, May. Those were the last six quarterbacks who signed long-term deals before their fourth season. There is a process you have to wait. Now, as a former player, Drew, it's kind of maybe difficult to wait yet, and we know that he is, talking about Kyler Murray, not here during the offseason strength and conditioning program. It is voluntary. It's not a big deal right now, but once this team gets on the football field, even in T-shirts and shorts, you'd like to see your quarterback out here. If he is, who knows? But I do think a deal does get done prior to the start of the regular season just yeah. my opinion yeah i mean hopefully I, I think that would be another stepping stone to just put it to rest uh you know wherever you got those stats from you're you are a good stat guy as far got as, all my as notes delaying right here. yeah no i mean to your point too we were even talking about it in the past of look cam newton andrew luck same type of format they didn't get paid till later on after that so each team operates so differently. Each organization views it differently. How, your quarterbacks, everybody is treated completely different based off their circumstances. You can't just say, okay, well, Deshaun Watson got $240 million guaranteed, so that's what Kyler deserves, and that's what Kyler's thinking, and I don't blame him, right? This is the business side of it that can sometimes get misconstrued of saying, well, no, he's selfish, he's this. It's completely different because Baker said, I'm out. <laughs> I don't want to be there. And then to your point, you either have a quarterback or you don't. So they needed to go find a quarterback. That hopefully completely tilts the scale in favor of the players to go get guaranteed contracts, being able to get Kirk Cousins type of deals. I know that uh, J.C. Treader talked about it. Like They were hoping this was going to be a snowball effect because in my idea, in a perfect NFL type of world, it's a shorter-term deal, but it's all guaranteed, especially the most important position. So you give Kyler whatever the going rate is for quarterbacks, sign him to a three-year deal, and give him a whole boatload of money, but then you're not married to him for two 240 million dollars and you're going to handicap yourself potentially later if i was a gm i'm not steve's got a really tough decision to make as far as getting it done but there has to be a mutual agreement upon those two and going back it makes no sense to negotiate in the media the smart teams the smart organizations they're not going to pro offer anything as much as kent summers wants to dig and ask questions or leading questions right everything that should be done behind closed doors is left for us to sit here and speculate around all of these major events that occur in the nfl but steve's a really good gm michael's a phenomenal owner and within that they're going to find the right structure what's best for the arizona cardinals and hopefully that coincides with what's best for kyler murray now you know you look at he's got two years left um 
I would think that, you know, you give them a four-year deal extended, so it's all six years, and that's why you can move the money around. So we'll just have to wait and see. But obviously the Cardinals have done a good job when it comes to giving guys extensions in training camp over the years. Again, it's good to have this out of the way and not hanging over everyone's heads come later this week, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday with respects to the 2022 NFL Draft. Speaking of which, the Draft Weekend Country Concert presented by Siki. Featuring Ryan Hurd, Lanco, and Calista Clark, Saturday, April 30th on the Great Lawn at State Farm Stadium. For tickets and information, visit SportsmansParkAZ.com. That's SportsmansParkAZ.com. Just getting started here, it's the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. Craig Riolu, Drew Stanton, and Mike Jarecki. More draft talk as we continue here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. To have personal interactions with each of these players, you can't put a price on that. And Indianapolis and the Combine is really our first opportunity to get up up close and personal. So it was a long week, but it's a necessary. The Combine is designed in a way where it's, it's difficult to be successful 100% of the time. You may have a bad interview. You may have a bad lift. You may run a bad time. My, and I, I want to see guys who push through that grit. This is us, Arizona Cardinals, LS36A, and this is where the action happens. It's an exciting week. It's a big help in kind of stacking the draft board. It makes it easier for us to make decisions because you guys came prepared, you guys came ready, and that's why we're, we built the board we did. That's why we're going to have success in this draft. And you have to have, to have a strategy whether you're going to stay there and pick or you're going to trade back or vice versa. You know, if you have somebody you love and you want to go get them, go get them. Episode 2, Draft Vision, uh, the Emmy Award-winning Cardinals flight plan premiering Wednesday at noon on the Cardinals YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com slash azcardinals. Episode 1 is streaming now, but this, right ahead of the draft on Thursday, will kind of take you behind the scenes on the pre-draft prep. You heard from General Manager Steve Kime, his staff, Quentin Harris, Ryan Gold, Drew Grigson, and that is parts of what we have been talking about now for weeks, months now, as far as getting ready for your eight draft picks. Whether that is fewer or more, as Kime said, hey, if you like someone, MJ, you go get them. But it is here. The draft has officially arrived Thursday at 5 p.m. Arizona time. And it's going to be interesting, and I'm sure we'll get into different positions, uh, what's going to be transpire at 23, who's on the board, and you know, hopefully a couple quarterbacks are drafted so they could push some position players down. But you know, without having a fourth and a fifth, um, I would think that you know, there's a long period of time for you to start picking in the sixth round. So if, if he's aggressive moving up, you know, you can offer a next year, you know, a second or third round pick. They should have a compensatory pick, which you can trade for Christian Kirk. So Listen, the thing is, they have to, at least these first three picks, you have to have these guys come in and contribute, whether they're rotation guys or starters from day one. Yeah, you don't want to, as DJ Humphreys back in the day, redshirt where you're sitting on the sidelines watching everyone else. It's it's an inexact science, yet at the same time, Drew, as Kime likes to say, this is where you build your team. It's through the draft, not as much through free agency. Yeah, it has to be, but I, I think that, the beauty of what they've done here 
is they've identified each draft pick for what they are. When it when it hasn't worked out, they've moved on quickly, and that's what this rookie wage goes allowed to do. But Steve and his team are not afraid to be proactive, and they'll always say, look, we could do 20 of these different mock drafts, and they're going to end up 20 different ways because you don't know how they're going to shake out. You want to be as prepared as possible. You have as much information as you have going into each and every draft and say, okay, this is where we're going to go on Thursday. This is where we're going to go Friday, Saturday. Like, you have to have a plan, and you might deviate from that plan. You've got to be open to that based off of the information you have at that presented time. So, you know, I think that there's obviously areas of concern. Everybody's like, well, why don't they just go draft a second, you know, a number two wide receiver? Why don't they there's a lot more that goes into that, especially that latter part of the first round, right? Like you want to get a guy that can come in and fill a void for you or be a solid guy. Um, to your point, a guy like DJ Humphreys, we knew he was super young. He was going to take time to develop, but then he was also have the possibility to be a cornerstone left tackle to get paid like he's getting paid. It has worked out exactly how Steve would have hoped because he was surrounded by the right people to help him grow and mature over time. Sometimes you have that luxury. In today's NFL, you don't have that luxury anymore. It's a play now, what can you do for me lately type of business. And if you miss on a first round pick or a second round pick, it's going to be extremely difficult because you're going to unfortunately not be able to have a different position and everybody's well you could have drafted this guy two picks later and look what he did well that might not have been your position of need or best athlete available or best pick available as steve's always talked about that's the beauty of their approach you have to have a a stern way of looking at things and he's done that over the course of his time of being a gm and, and more time than not it's worked itself out you know one of the things that i've i've followed over the years and, and last year the cardinals obviously were very aggressive in free agency the th- thought was physicality and leadership, and they did that, bringing in guys in the first you know, three or four days. But you can also tell, though, um, and I still think they'll make some moves after the draft based on what they get, but you, know, you always say, uh, we're going to pick the best available player. But I also think there's got to be a need in there, and you don't want to force it. If, if somebody's ranked you know, equal and he's a defensive tackle versus defensive end, then you have to make a decision. But just based on them not acquiring an outside linebacker, a defensive lineman, um, maybe bring in another corner. Um, but I, I do think, you know, you know, maybe Cliff likes the wide receiver room now, but I, I would think you want to get add some more depth to that. And what about the offensive line? So there's there's areas you can address at 23. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, you know, we talked about it when I was on the show a couple weeks ago. It's hard to be a first-round pick as a wide receiver and come in and play within the structure of this system, it seems like, because there hasn't been guys early on, two second-round picks, that have had come in and had success so there's a little bit of hesitation there the plug and play guys are what you're looking for I would build a team personally if it was me through the offense and defensive line because if you can win up front if you can get pressure on the quarterback if you can protect the quarterback you're going to be in a much better position because you're going to go find diamonds in the rough at wide receiver at running back at corner guys that have a different mentality or fit within your locker room or you build a brand that people want to be associated with and you can do that shape that mold that a lot of different ways it's hard to find offense and defensive linemen that you can sit there and say and that's really the sweet spot or the positive of being at 23 is you might okay reach up and grab a guy that that fits what you need within there because there's a premium place on it for what this team needs versus what's being drafted and the trickle down effect We've talked a lot about positions of need here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seats. What does the general manager feel his needs are with respect to this upcoming season? Here's Steve Kime. We all would acknowledge that, you know, edge rusher, wide receiver, corner, 
you know, any of those positions that are, you know, they're hard to find. I mean, listen, when guys get the free agency and they get paid the kind of money they get, you know, you're looking at left tackles, corners, you know, guys that are really hard to find, obviously quarterbacks. Now receivers are playing into that a little bit. Obviously, you know, when you see some of the salaries that these guys are getting at the, the receiver position, if you can get a number one receiver, there's no reason not to take one. So you're sitting there at number 23. You'll have to kind of wait a while. Might not be until after 8 p.m. on Thursday night. See who is available and then look at your board. Then there's also the talk about moving up or maybe dropping back a couple of spots and adding more draft picks, more bites at the apple. Here's Steve Keim on that. I've had some calls, you know, guys that just want to let me know that, hey, we're willing to move around. And then I've done the same, you know, guys that you generally talk to uh, prior to the draft and just let them know we're up and for business. Best case scenario, MJ, this team is maybe picking or drops a couple of spots. Not too far, maybe 25, 26, 27, and gains a fourth or fifth round pick this year. Not future years, but this year. Yeah, and I don't think you want to you drop down to the second round because you want that fifth-year option. You're not drafting a guy for one year, so the fifth-year option is, is, is going to be a big deal. And then you just start looking at it, you know, um, how many receivers are left at 23? How many interior offensive linemen? How many edge rushers? And that's going to dictate. And, and again, I do think they'll try to trade down, just connecting dots based on they don't have a fourth and a fifth round pick. If they want to be aggressive, they move up. The interesting thing is we got eight teams with multiple picks, and then eight teams don't have a single first round pick. And we'll see how active teams are ahead of the Cardinals. And then, of course, when the Cardinals are on the clock at pick number 23, I'll say this, though. If it is a defender taken at pick number 23, or just in the first round. It would mark the second time ever in franchise history and the first time since 1996 through 1998 in which a defender was taken in three consecutive draft classes. When you have a young quarterback, Drew, I know at 23 you're waiting to see who the best player is, yet when you're a young quarterback, I'm thinking, all right, can we not? take a wide receiver can we not draft an offensive lineman if i'm your franchise quarterback how about you help me out a little bit yeah and steve talked about a little bit before too of guys that they brought in the past of saying okay well you know if kyler has input what's going on if he's going to be the franchise quarterback here it's important that he has input you know there's the circle that exists within the nfl is pretty small and being able to have resources that you do you want to make your sure your quarterback um given that he's responsible and done his homework or knows what's going on can go out and do these things and that's part of the ownership of what you're encompassing as that guy at the same time you know Aaron Rodgers have been trying to do it forever get a wide receiver drafted so if he can't get one drafted who can what was it, Javon Walker was the last first round pick? <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, I mean, there's a guy to me, right, and everybody's in a win-now mentality. You have to be, right, because you can get fired tomorrow by some of these owners, and you never know what's going to happen. But if you're also building for the future around your quarterback, you want as much of a great nucleus of young talent. That talent pool on the defensive side of the ball is young. You look at Buda Baker, you you look at the linebacking core, you look at Marco Wilson, what that could become, there's a pretty good niche right there, like you said, of guys that you feel good about that are going to grow together mesh. On the offensive side of the ball, I don't really know if that exists right now. Besides Kyler, yes, you have a star wide receiver 
but you want to be able to get that nucleus strong. And maybe a guy like Jamison Williams that's coming off of an ACL that, you know, is going to maybe take some time anyways, but what you're betting on the latter part of that when he is healthy, the difference he can make, the, the pressure he can take off of that, but also be around great guys like A.J. Green, like DeAndre Hopkins, and, and he can learn, and, and when he gets the opportunity, can make the most of it right off the bat. Because these dynamic playmakers, everybody's making a big to-do about wide receivers getting paid a lot of money. Well, if you have one much like a franchise quarterback, they are difference makers. They can win you a football game. They can take a slant and turn it into a touchdown. They can take over a game and have 14 catches. And if you have somebody's number that day, you're going to go win a football game. So they are so hard to find. Um, and people are finding ways out of contracts or situations or teams that they don't want to be a part of. You look at Devontae Adams. You look at these guys that are holding firm now of not showing up to their offseason camp. And so you get the, you, these guys young and you get them to play at a high level. Uh, and you get a better sense of what they're all about. Now, when you look at it, if you, if you were the quarterback, not trying to put you on the spot, would you prefer an alignment or a wide receiver? I take alignment every single day of the week. If it's the right offense alignment versus the right, right, right wide receiver, I am taking an offense alignment. So thanks for putting me on the spot. <laughs> Well, you said maybe one day you'd become a general manager. No, I, I've already thought about it, too. I want as many good offensive linemen as possible. General manager Drew Stanton. That's a nice ring to it. <laughs> See if we can't make that happen here. We have hit halftime here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seats. More on general manager Drew Stanton and what he will decide to do if he were in charge of the Arizona Cardinals heading into 2022. Drafting offensive linemen and wide receivers is my guess. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. I love to hear uh, from our players, particularly Kyler and Hop and some of those guys. When you have a number of guys that are so involved, and Carson Palmer was like this, you know, you get a different perspective from players, which is which is good. You know, you you have coaches who see things a certain way, you see scouts who see things a certain way, and then when you have players that come into the fold and they know the kid uh, personally, and again, it's a different perspective. And to me, uh, there's no reason why I shouldn't pick their brain and, and try to learn. I won't tell you what his wish list is, but he's got one. We can all speculate on what Kyler Murray would like to see general manager Steve Keim do as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. Craig Rayler, Drew Stanton, and Mike Jarecki talking about the 2022 NFL draft. And as we heard from the general manager right there, Drew, that Carson Palmer would offer up opinions on what he would like from the draft or perhaps free agency. Now, once upon a time, you were the starting quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals for, I believe it was, what, five weeks? No, was it was it, like was five days. Five di- no, it was a little bit longer than <laughs> no, that. No, it wasn't. No, Between no, no. press conferences, it was a little <laughs> bit longer than five days. I mean, it might have been two weeks. Okay, all right. <laughs> have you ever walked up to a general manager or poked a head into a front office member, whether it was here or elsewhere during your long illustrious career in the National Football League as far as, hey, pay attention to this guy, or hey, this guy is pretty good, or you might, you know what, I ran into him not liking this player. 
You're really pumping me up right now. Of course. I'm feeling good about myself after this hour. Uh, you know what? We made you general manager. What guys, else do you want? Guys that I played with that were free agents that got cut or anything like this, I would always speak to their character, right? And I would speak to what I thought they added to the table. And after you get in this league, you realize that we all have our deficiencies, but we all have our strengths. And so I would highlight those strengths for those guys because, you know, we have to be able to go out and, and give an honest evaluation. And I had a coach – uh, always tell me, he's like, if you're going to recommend somebody, you go all in for them. And so guys that I believed in, that I knew were great guys, I would make phone calls to different coaches that I was with. I would make co- phone calls to different GMs or send texts or do all that because I do think it's important. All these guys need are an opportunity. And some of the guys, like myself, I needed an opportunity. I needed to find a place that somebody believed in me, and I found that place here, and that's why I never wanted to leave. In Detroit, it was a struggle for me. Two years later, after I got drafted in the second round, they drafted Matthew Stafford number one overall. I knew my time was on borrowed time there. So you see all these things and you become aware of everything else around you, uh, but you need people to go to bat for you. And guys that I played with, guys that I've been through thick and thin with, yes, I would 100% go up to Steve Kime. And and even when Carson was here, right, we understand scheme. We understand guys that fit into that scheme. And sometimes there could be a disconnect between front office coaches and players. And if an organization could ever get all of those married up, it would be a pretty powerful situation because – Yes, there is a pecking order within all of it, but if there is guys that you're looking that fit the mold of what you want, and B.A. was so good at that, right? He was really good at identifying wide receivers late in, in late rounds that can fill voids based off of what we needed offensively, the J.J. Nelsons of the world, the John Browns of the world that have gone on to have good careers and can be guys that can fill these things. Even when he was in Pittsburgh, he was great at that. Uh, and Drafting running backs and being able to identify guys because you've seen it, you've been around it, you understand, and you want it to look a certain way. And even though a draft grade might not be a big board like everybody else's, you're looking for exactly something that just kind of stands out more than others. You know, you look at it, though, from a, from a standpoint of, you know, you clearly, I mean, this team has to make progress and get better at certain positions. But I, when I look at it overall, it's just, you know, you look at the team and, and where they were and where they could be. I mean, this is a this is a really important draft because you got to make sure, you know, eight picks and you got to make sure you can kind of solidify where you're not going out. What Steve was alluding to, instead of going out and paying these wide receivers, try to draft one in the first and second round where you own their rights for the next four or five years because the money that receivers are getting now, it's almost like the quarterbacks. By the way, just a, a follow-up, because I do want to make sure that we are always accurate here on the Carl- <laughs> Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by Seeky. Get your seats in a seat. It was March thirteenth, 2013. Carson Palmer was acquired on April 2nd. Okay, so happy medium, not five weeks. No, but not five days either. Yeah, well, it felt like five days, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just had a kid, you know, seven months into being a dad. Things happen very quickly in the National Football League, and even more quickly on draft night. We already touched on it. The Cardinals at number 23. Do they move up? Do they move back? Here's General Manager Steve Kahn on what might happen this week. Going through the exercises, there's a number of scenarios that, depending on how the board falls, that you know there could be an option really to, to go up four or five spots and potentially get a guy that we think is a dynamic playmaker uh, or a difference maker, and, and same. If there's something that, that maybe we get to a point where we're not thrilled or we have four or five players sort of in the same area you know you can probably move back some picks and and acquire more and and still get the player you want now over his tenure as general manager this will be his 10th draft as cardinals general manager 
Kime has made at least one draft day trade in seven of those nine years. He's only moved up once, though, in the first round, and that was to acquire Josh Rosen. Very difficult to move up in the draft, especially at 23. How far can you move up? That's why I think you're hearing a lot, MJ, about, all right, let's move back to acquire more picks. Well, it makes sense. I mean, and, and again, because you don't have a four and a five, now you could try to, I mentioned earlier, you could, you know, uh, obviously offer a third-round pick next year. You'll have your own and then the compensatory pick. But it's just one of those scenarios where, you know, if you have four or five guys on that list and you're willing to trade down, you you got to make sure you don't go down too far because teams are aware of what other teams are doing just based on conversation. And it's kind of a gentleman's agreement. Hey, they're not going to tell you who you're going to draft, but you better not go down too far. And he, he's aware of that. And, again, I think it's important to get that fifth-year option. Well, and if you're looking at wide receiver, you know the Green Bay Packers draft number 22. And losing Devontae Adams, all of a sudden maybe the Packers are interested in a wide receiver. So if you want to get a wide receiver, you have to jump ahead of Green Bay. Well, you know, Kansas City's got 12 picks. They got 29 and 30, and I'm sure they want a receiver. Now, if you decide that you know receivers there, you take them. I mean, obviously Trayvon Burks is probably a guy that's going to go somewhere in the 20s. Um, but clearly, you don't want to go down too far. But now, all of a sudden, you have some options, and you acquire another pick where you don't have that delay between the fourth and fifth round. More Steve Kime on the excitements of trading during the draft. It's a fast-moving process. That's probably the one thing in the draft that creates the most excitement is whenever those trade conversations start because the, the level of excitement in a room sort of rises. But more than anything, whether you agree with the trade uh, chart or the points, more than anything, it, to me, it's an instinctive thing. you got to feel good about what you're doing, and as long as uh, you trust your gut, I think you'll be in a good position. You made it clear earlier in the show, Drew, that as general manager that you would prefer offensive linemen given your history as a quarterback. Is that Did you always feel that way, or is that something that you learned over time? Because you would think all quarterbacks want are skilled position players, someone to get them the football, to throw the football to, to move the ball up and down the field. Yeah, well, I think you look at what where you can gain the greatest advantage, right, schematically of guys or where you can hold firm or hold your ground that's going to make the big difference on Sundays and I think for the longevity of that just through attrition alone the offensive line is hard enough to try and keep intact so the more that you can make that an area of strength and be able to do that and negate some of these great pass rushers that can ruin a game you look at the guys that get paid all this money um you know unfortunately the Aaron Donalds of the world TJ Watt all of these guys they can wreck a game for you so the the way to combat that is you go out and you get somebody and you fortify that uh, again I think wide receivers are out there it's hard because the market's evolving it's changing you know as MJ was talking about you let some guys walk in free agency like Christian Kirk because of how much he's getting paid to go somewhere else where you can shape and mold these younger guys and that's just that's a trend that's going on you look at what Steve was saying right he has not traded up the proofs in the pudding over the uh, only one time over the last decade he's been here so you you try to analyze what you can do you you look at areas that you can get better at and uh, i mean for what he said in that clip two ago of saying well we could move up we could move back or maybe we'll stay same all of those things are on the board and that's what's the beauty of steve is is he identifies okay what matters at that given time and if they feel like there's four or five guys maybe they do slide back to mj's point to get another pick to add value to it i mean i remember last year when they jumped all the way up to get marco wilson everybody was shocked by that steve's not afraid to make an aggressive move to be proactive and you have to be ready to jump at a moment's notice so he's shown signs of doing that at the same time 
if you feel like a wide receiver versus a offensive lineman are going to make a difference, especially for the longevity of what's going on, and you've mapped that out, maybe you do go into your line and you feel really good about a guy that's, that's going to be here for, you know, for for as the foreseeable future would let you believe. The way I look at it is, and we went back when they were going to lose Clayus Campbell, they tried to bring in Kem Dietschy, Olsen Pierre, uh, Rodney Gunter. I think they had an idea that possibly Christian Kirk could test for Eden, so they draft Rondo Moore. I mean, Will Hernandez is on a one-year deal. You know, Beecham's going to be a free agent. Pugh's going to be a free agent. So you start looking at the future, you can fill that spot without going around and spend a ton of money in free agency. Would not be the sexy pick, but it might be the most smartest pick if you went offensive line at number 23. Protect the quarterback. Absolutely. Hear that, Drew? We got you back. Episode 28 of the Day Patch podcast featuring NFL Network draft analyst Daniel Jeremiah is available now. To catch up on past episodes, follow the Day Patch podcast via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter at HashPod. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Murray in front of James Conner, A.J. Green wide to the right, Hopkins left, snap to Murray, quick throw to Green in the right flat, caught at the 10, turns right, stiff-arming at the 5, and then diving into the end zone, A.J. Green with his first Cardinal touchdown. Go, go, gadget, stiff-arm from A.J. Green, what a great play. Back for a second season, A.J. Green a year ago, 848 receiving yards, three touchdowns, including that one right there against the Minnesota Vikings. A.J. Green in an Arizona Cardinals uniform one more season. Have not had a chance to hear from you, Drew, as far as your take on A.J. Green returning. I've always maintained that once the offseason hit, and you reach free agency, it's okay, well, you need to address the number two wide receiver or just an outside wide receiver threat. Regardless of what you think about Rondell Moore's ability to play outside, you needed someone else in that position. Antoine Wesley, I just don't think, is quite ready. But it's the known versus the unknown. Go out and find somebody or bring back someone who knows your offense already. Yeah, well, and I think it will continue to grow within the offense, right? You look at that, and he was doing a great job of complimenting DeAndre. And I don't think it's a quote-unquote tag for a number two wide receiver. I think you look at the whole puzzle of how it fits together, and you look at adding Zach Ertz and the passing game in general, what that can bring to the table. And I think that outside threat, as you were talking about, with AJ as he gets more comfortable as he's seeing things as he's on the same page and again there you can never get enough reps between a quarterback and a wide receiver to grow comfortable to grow within all of this within the hand signals of what Kyler does and what he brings to the table you add back a healthy DeAndre Hopkins you add in a year of experience with Rondell Moore you add in Zach Ertz and then yeah, wide receiver looks a little bit different. Anton Wesley, you give him a little bit more on his plate. And again, you can find guys in the latter portion of the draft to be able to do that. But I think to get A.J. back is going to be huge. Again, he's a calming veteran presence. His demeanor is great. He's been here. He's done it. And, uh, you know, it's a great signing to be able to just continue to keep pushing along with a good nucleus. And, and, and I've, I really believe, and I don't mean to be redundant, I think these guys being in the system the second year, Zach Ertz, James Conner, uh, you throw in A.J. Green, and, and Green was honest. They, you know, him and Kyler got to get on the same page. There was some miscommunication in the second half. 
um, and maybe when you go to that Colts game. But I just think being in the system, getting an entire offseason together, that can go a long way in year number two for a lot of these guys. Yeah, the, the feeling out process is gone, right? Everybody, right. There's a continuity there. If you get together, you do all these things, you already know the, the language. You're already speaking the same thing, what's expected of you, different things here, there. So you work on the communication. You work on the nuances within the structure of a play or even, okay, well, we have this route. This is actually because it's tied into this and it complements off of that. All of those things, and as opposed to a rookie's head spinning or a guy just trying to digest as much as he can, you know, this is a true off-season format we're going back to, which is great. And that's why it's so important for everybody to get on the same page. Utilize this time that it isn't ramped up. It's not a game plan scenario. It's a foundation-building thing. And so to get everybody here, to get everybody throwing together is really, really important to be able to talk through that, the individual routes that become part of the concepts that become part of the adjustments based off of what the defense has seen. There's a systematic approach that needs to be taken to it. Year two for those veterans returning. Year two for those rookies that are coming back for a second season. We've heard, and we talked about Rondell Moore, we've heard from wide receivers coach Sean Jefferson earlier this offseason on the Big Red Rage about re-increasing Moore's use down the field. Well, our colleague Danny Sarek on a brand new show, Game On, had a chance to ask Rondell Moore about heading into his second year. How are you expecting your first full offseason to help you take that leap in Tier 2? Yeah, I think uh, this offseason I really wanted to get more in tune with my body. I started doing meal prep, I uh, started Pilates, which I had just learned about when I got here. So uh, just a group of people who can you know, help me obtain the goals I want to uh, complete for this season. How do you see your role expanding in the offense this year? Yeah, um, obviously you saw the impact that Christian had last year and I got a chance to, to learn from him and kind of see how he went about being a pro every day. So, you know, I'm excited to step in um, and kind of uh, fill that role or uh, whatever's asked of me. So however that plans out, I'm excited for. More with Danny Sarek and Rondell Moore. You can go to the Arizona Cardinals official YouTube page. It is game on, kind of like a little informal interview as they're out playing mini basketball. But interesting, MJ, to hear Rondell say, learn about his body and better to do it now earlier in your career as opposed to later because that can extend your career by a couple of seasons. Yeah, we never know. You, you, they always say, you know, after Thanksgiving, maybe rookies will hit the wall because they only play 11 or 12 games unless you get to the national championship game. But, you know, to me, he learned something from Chris. Kirk, take care of your body. Um, obviously, they want to get his route tree a lot more. And, you know, I'm curious to see how they're going to use him. I mean, you could put him in the slot. And you can put him on the outside. You can go four wide. Um, so I think he's going to have a, a big role besides Hopkins and, and Zach Ertz and James Conner. I think he could be your second or third receiver. Wide receivers coach John Jefferson, high on Rondell Moore. A.J. Green, high on Rondell Moore. Oh, he's very capable. I think people get lost in what he did last year and how he was used. But if you go look at his college tape, the guy has great hands, great routes, great run after the catch. Um, so I feel like he's going to make a, a huge leap from last year to this year. It's going to be special. He's a guy that works his butt off as well. That was A.J. Green on a recent episode of the Big Red Rage. There's no question, Drew, that heading into year two for a day two pick at wide receiver, as well as he played and there were some flashes and then there's some lulls in which he kind of disappeared. Rondell Moore, I think there are going to be a lot more eyes on him within this offense here in 2022. 
For sure. I mean, you're always looking for guys like that to make a jump, and there's reason to believe that he will. I mean, you just listen to the way that he talks, right? He talks with a presence. He talks with a purpose. He talks with a confidence and a maturity that's not readily available to guys nowadays. And you look at where he's coming from, it's always a work in progress. And he says that, he knows that, and you hear the way that his teammates talk about him. He is going to continue to progress, and it will be interesting to see how far he can progress. I think that he wants to do more, obviously, from the standpoint of the whole picture and for rookies it is a lot a lot gets thrown on your plate and that rookie wallet you're talking about it's real because it's not just football it's balancing all of those things and finding that balance is key and, and i truly believe he will because he's searching for it you know? well you could tell one of the deep dives they did after the season was you know just listen to sean jefferson on the big red rage and then listening to cliff at the combine they felt like when they went back and, and did a deep uh, dive that they, they want to use him in different facets now so but i i, I listen he, he reminded me of Anquan as a rookie, just a mental uh, maturity, no-nonsense guy. I mean, he wants to be great in this league, and he'll put the work in. So I'm excited about his year number two. And he's got two good guys in that locker room to watch, and that's DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Green, two number one wide receivers who have been in the league for a long, long time. Now I will say this, even with A.J. Green back and Rondell Moore going into year two, I would put wide receivers still up there, whether that's day one or day two, to continue to build, to your point, Drew, because wide receivers are getting paid. DeAndre Hopkins is going to be 30 entering this season. So that's a position all of a sudden like edge rusher, tackle, quarterback that is becoming a high priority for teams because of what the money has become. Yeah, well, I think you look at it two different ways. The value that exists there, right? Does it make sense to be able to take it there? And we saw last year the strength in numbers unfortunately didn't work for this offense at wide receiver, right? Because we were all excited to say, okay, well, who's going to step up? Who's going to take the bull by the horns? Nobody really did. Now, a lot of those guys are back, but they're also back from the standpoint they're another year fresh in this system. So there's reason for optimism there. You would love to be able to add to that room. And I think it makes sense. Healthy competition is always good for everybody across the board. And you need depth, especially at that position, as we saw last year. So there, there's ways to, to make it all fit into what you want to. Um, but, I, yeah, at some point they're going to draft a wide receiver. They need to do that because the sl- there's slim pickings left in free agency. Maybe you go try and find a guy that's undrafted that has a lot of upside or you put your, you know, you put all of that trust in one of these guys at the top of the first round. Jamison Williams, does he fall? Traylon Burks, who's been mocked to the Cardinals quite a bit. Perhaps the 6'2 wideout out of Arkansas. Hey, all I know is this time next week, <laughs> the draft will be over. We'll have hopefully eight, maybe more new faces. And the Arizona Cardinals move on to the next step. I'm looking for chaos. I want to see a lot of traits. It is going to be great theater because as everyone who covers the draft and follows it and reports on it, uh, a lot of unknown. That's expected. That's about the only thing that we know with respect to the 2022 NFL draft. Hey, special thanks behind the scenes, our senior broadcast manager, producer Jim Omohundro, technical director Cody Fincher. For Drew Stanton, Mike Drecke, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you in one week's time. It's the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network.
You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.